Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. On October 2nd, 2018, Washington Post columnist and Saudi dissident Jamal Khashoggi was suffocated and then hacked to pieces at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey by an assassination squad that included a close advisor to Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and members of the Prince's Royal Protective Detail known as the Rapid Intervention Force. The utter savagery of it shocked the world. While the Saudi government lied about its involvement and then President Trump hemmed and hawed about the Crown Prince's culpability in the crime, the CIA, after receiving a gruesome audio tape of the murder in progress, determined that the Prince had indeed been complicit in the crime, had ordered the hit. Last month, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report also pointing the finger at the Prince. Now, the non-governmental organization, Reporters Without Borders, has stepped in to hold the Prince and his accomplices accountable, not just for Khashoggi's murder, but the, for the persecution and torture of many other Saudi journalists. They recently filed a 500-page complaint with the Public Prosecutor General of the Federal Court of Justice in Karlsruhe, Germany, charging that these crimes are, in fact, crimes against humanity. My guest today is the lawyer in charge of drafting that complaint. Paul Coupin has headed up the Reporters Without Borders legal desk for the past seven years. Prior to that, he worked with another non-governmental organization dedicated to fighting against torture. He holds a master's degree in international public law from the Sorbonne University in Paris. Welcome, Paul. Uh, hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, listen, this is a major, major piece of work that you have uh, submitted to this court and before we talk about the details of the complaint, I wanted to ask you to talk about crimes against humanity, that definition, because people will think, well, it's a crime against, it's a crime against Khashoggi, but, and it's a crime, crimes against these, these journalists, but against humanity, why? Sure. Uh, so in the complaint we filed, uh, we uh, list the cases of 35 journalists. The case of Jamal Khashoggi, who, uh, you, which you described perfectly, and 34 other cases of journalists who are being arbitrarily detained in Saudi Arabia. Actually, 32 of them are still uh, arbitrarily detained. Um, a crime against humanity, it's a widespread and systematic attack committed by individuals uh, in full knowledge of this attack against the civilian population. Journalists are a civilian population, according to inter international law. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, journalists are the victims of widespread and systematic attacks for political reasons in further hands of a state policy aiming at punishing or silencing them because of, of their uh, activity as journalists. Uh, why systematic? Uh, because a policy is in place in Saudi Arabia to, to target journalists developed by the highest Saudi authorities 
to actively and systematically target journalists because of their activity to inform the public on issue of general interest. Uh, well, aren't there specific issues like issues that of human rights? I mean, don't they get in trouble? I mean, somebody was saying, if you're a journalist, I, I, I saw a quote, and I can't remember who said it, oh, if you're a journalist in Saudi Arabia, chances are you're going to find yourself in prison one day. But <laughs> that's exactly why, we, we, because that's if you are a journalist in Saudi Arabia, you do face being jailed or tortured or killed because there is a policy that we've listed 35 cases. The, 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 the Saudi Arabia is a very opaque and arbitrary regime. It's very hard to know what happens there. So it's very likely that there is more than 35 cases. Uh, but the only 35 cases we list actually show uh, that, how to say, uh, that any journalist in Saudi Arabia can be targeted. In the, the, in the cases we list, for, for some of them, we, we know why they've been targeted, because they've posted tweets or uh, comments on the internet or published articles that are critical of the regime. For some of them, we don't know why they've been arrested or they are being detained. There is no charge, no official charge, no clear reason for the arrest. For some of them, it seems it, it is because they never publicly praise the regime. So, oh, wow. You yes. Get in trouble just for that? So it seems, but uh, oh, wow. the, 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 what our complaint reveals, it is that, that system of persecution of journalists. That, uh, that, uh, that 30, at least 35 journalists were the victims of, but any journalist in Saudi Arabia face and can be the victim of. So, but, sorry, uh, did you, I thought you were- Well, I, I was gonna say that the, the thing that's really kind of frightening, because I was looking, I wanna talk about some of these other journalists uh, at some point. And, but one of the frightening things about your report is you basically say, well, they they disappear. Basically, you don't know where they are. They you don't know what jails they're in. There's there's just no. It's like they disappear into a black hole or something. Uh, yeah, w one of the the, um, the 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 one of the crimes that we identified that constitute the crimes against humanity is in, enforced disappearance. Many of the thirty five journalists we list forcibly were forcibly disappeared at least for a while meaning their family didn't know where they were their lawyer didn't know where they were they disappeared uh, to reappear at some point and their family realized that they were being jailed and sued by the regime some of them are have actually never been sued they are in administrative detention uh, what does that mean it means there is no trial means there is no it's just a decision by they're the being held without charges basically yeah that, that, that is an administrative detention it is a decision by the administration the executive executive branch of power wow and there, there is no judicial process uh, so yeah that is one of the difficulties we faced uh, in building that complaint it is the very opaque nature of the saudi system 
it is very hard to gather any information. And that is one of the reasons why our complaint comes now, because the, the Hashoji murder happened more than two years ago. Uh, among the 35 journalists we list, some of them have been in jail since uh, uh, before, since before he came into power, Ben yeah, Salman yeah. came into power. Yeah, some of them have been in jail since 2012. Uh, Haif Badawi, for instance, uh, a very famous case, uh, has been in jail since 2012 because of insulting Islam when actually he just criticized or discussed. He didn't criticize. He opened, tried to open a discussion on his blog about the, 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 the power religion has in Saudi Arabia. He's been found guilty of insulting Islam, he, and he was um, put in jail for um, 10 years uh, and 1,000 lashes. God, I mean, that's so that, medieval. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. Uh, but so, again, the very opaque nature of the regime made it very hard for us to build that complaint. And that, that's why it comes now. And well, we, we, had, he, we had sorry, a, a very hard time to gather information, a very hard time to gather information. The, info, the families are very reluctant to talk. Uh, they, well, they, they, they can really be at risk if they do talk. Uh, so we had to gather information with uh, you know, insiders, organizations that have outsider contacts. Uh, and, and we had to cross-check all this information and to verify all this information. It took us a very long time. It was very difficult. That blogger's case is very interesting because at first he was given, he was not given 10 years, right? He was given like 500 lashes. And apparently they do a certain number of lashes at yeah. intervals. And this guy is, is so he's yeah. being, could you talk? Yeah, the it's sentence. Crazy. The sentence was one thousand lashes. So far, he received only quotation marks uh, fifty lashes, which is. He's thirty-seven years old, right? That's how old he is, right? Yes. Now. He, yeah. Actually, young man. He's, he's a young man. Yeah, yeah. He's a very young man, and uh, so he received fifty lashes, and because of international uh, reactions around this case. Uh, he hasn't received any more lashes since then. He only received 50 lashes. Uh, but, <laughs> but then they added some more years. He, had, he didn't have 10 years at first, right? No, no, that's true. He, 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 I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember the, the exact details of this case. Okay. But again, it is, it, all of this is very hard to understand. No, none of these trials are public. None of these charges are made public. For many of the journalists we have, we don't know the charges. Uh, and sometimes the charges come a very long time after we know they are in jail. And we don't even know if there was a trial, if they were convicted. Uh, oh uh, and for, for most of them, it is charges related you know, to, to state security, terrorism, uh, inciting to violence, when actually it is people that only exercise their work as journalists, only try to, to, to discuss uh, public interest issues that wanted to, to discuss the power, the regime, the, the, anything yeah. that, yeah, but anything that should be open to, to an open discussion in right. a normal regime. And 
to, to, to come back to the, the, the crime against humanity qualification, the, the, a crime against humanity, it's a systematic and widespread attack against a civilian population, as I said. Why widespread? Because it targets 35 journalists, but our analysis shows that it is actually any journalist in Saudi Arabia that might be or that can be the, the, the victim of such widespread attack. Right. And more broadly, if you attack journalists, if you prevent any open discussion, it is an attack on the society as a whole. And so that's why we call it a widespread attack. And that's why we believe the qualification of crime against humanity, if you target the whole population of journalists in Saudi Arabia. Let is, me ask you something, though. Can the Saudis come back to you in court and say, well, listen, we're not a Western country. We're not a democracy. Uh, this is the way we like to live our lives. And in our little society, uh, journalists uh, are not free. And that's the way we like it. That's already what they do. Uh, because uh, not, not the authorities, you know, but it is uh, its uh, support online who are actually uh, often uh, fake accounts, uh, bots spreading yes. messages on Twitter. Uh, and they say that we are all with MBS. Uh, uh, so that's pretty much already what they say. That's how we are. But in but the, the courts, why is this in a German court, by the way? Uh, but, sorry. If, if, okay, uh, but, go ahead. Um, it, they may very well say we are how we are. But the thing is, there is uh, something called the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, there is international standards on freedom of speech. There is, and, and it's not, it is something that is, it's human and universal humanity. It's the law of humanity. People have the right to speak their mind. There is uh, the right to due process. You know, so I believe this argument, that's the way we are. Uh, it's, it's no justification at all. Uh, and from a legal point of view. And why in a German court? Um, because we believe the German courts are very well suited to, to receive such a complaint. Uh, German courts have jurisdiction over in core international crimes, even committed abroad, on foreigners, by foreigners. That's what is called universal jurisdiction. Um, also for political reasons, uh, no, also because the German courts have shown that they are ready and willing to prosecute such international crimes. Uh, very, uh, very recently, there was a decision by German courts on a Syrian case, uh, Syrian agents, that were responsible for tortures of civilians, including journalists in Syrian prison, uh, were uh, found guilty. That, that was a crime that was committed not in Germany, not by Germans, not on Germans. But it is a, a core international crimes, a crime. And so uh, many countries around the world equip themselves with what is called universal jurisdiction. They allow them because it is an international crime of the, of the, of the uh, a very grave international crime, they say our court can prosecute such crimes. 
And so the, the, the German law is equipped with that. The German courts are willing and able. And the, 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 there, there is in Germany uh, a political will. The, the German uh, governments and the German authorities have expressed their interest for justice in the Jamal Khashoggi case. In uh, other cases, uh, in some other of the cases we, we, we list in our complaint, in particular the Haif Badawi case, so we believe the German court are the best to, are the best suited to receive such a complaint. So let's talk about the real elephant in the room, though, which is the prince. Yep. He's a head of state. How are you going to prosecute him? Uh, first, he is not a head of state. He is is uh, the son of the head of state. He is a prince. He's oh, not the king. That's true. Yes. So. That's important because there might be regulations in international law about immunity for head of state. He is not a head of state. Uh, secondly, uh, in the, the, the Rome statutes of the International Court, uh, in, International Criminal Court, interna core international criminal, uh, core international crimes. Sorry, uh, you cannot hide behind your immunity as a head of state or etc. After, um, yes, of course, the, 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 the aim of our, of our action is to have the suspects we identify end up in a court of law. And we do not only identify the, the crown prince, by the way. Our complaint targets five suspects, the crown prince, four of his uh, closest advisors or aid. And our complaint is uh, what we call uh, in English... Uh, against any uh, an identified person that the prosecutor could identify as responsible for the crimes. So, but of course we want these suspects to end up in a court of law. It might be far-fetched or far, far objective, but there is many steps between now and there. Uh, what are the those mere, steps? The, the mere opening of a credible prosecutorial process by an independent court of law in, uh, on the, the, the crimes against humanity in Saudi Arabia would be a first. It would show that the Jamal Khashoggi case cannot remain unpunished, that the international community, that, that countries that believe in justice do not let those crimes unpunished, that an official court can identify the crime try to identify the suspects, officially say, we are trying to go after the suspects, identify the suspects, issue arrest warrants. All this would be a first and would be very important for, for justice in general in the world. You know, the, 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 the impunity rate for crimes against journalists in the world is 98%. Wow. 98% of crimes committed against journalists around the world remain unpunished in Saudi Arabia, in Mexico, in Syria, 98%. Those crimes are never prosecuted. And the, the, the real criminal, I mean, because in many countries you have the, the guy who, who shot the gun who ends up in a, before the court, but the guy who paid him never ends up in a court of law. So the opening of a credible judicial or prosecutorial investigation would 
in itself be a very strong signal in terms of international justice. And outside the, the legal point of view, um, it would re really be a blow to uh, Saudi reputation and the MBS reputation that, you know, the, the, the slogan or the, the, of the last, the latest G20 in Riyadh was, uh, we inspire the world. <laughs> that was the Saudi, uh, how, do you, how do you call that in English? Oh, that, slogan. That, that was their slogan? Yeah, for, for the G20, we inspire the world. Okay, you, you <laughs> want Saudi, Saudi Arabia to inspire the world. Well, we are not going to let the world forget that you kill, that you uh, trap, torture, kill, dismember journalists in consulates, in foreign countries, that you have their body disappeared and never recovered, and that you want the world to forget about that. No, you want to inspire the world? Okay, we're not going to let the world forget about your crimes. And it, it would be a blow also for, for MBS personal reputation. He's trying very hard to look like a progressive um, head of state. He's not a head of state, but uh, a progressive. Well, he's like the, the, he's like the heir apparent. And, and he's, he's positioned himself as the heir apparent who is going to be progressive. He's going to have, allow women to drive. He's going to do all these progressive things. And yeah. yet he's sitting yeah. there with this blood on his hands, acting as if comes nothing, you know. Yeah, and about letting women drive among the 35 journalists we list. Uh, we have women journalists, some of them, who are journalists and bloggers and activists for women, women, women's rights. Some of them who were activists for the right for women to drive and who ended up in jail, even though what they were calling for was accepted by uh, MBS. So it means the, the Saudi power may give some rights, you know, to, to look like, we are opening the country. But if you dare opening your voice, even though it goes in the same direction that where we are going, if you dare opening your voice, you're at risk of arbitrary detention, sexual assault in jail, and rape in jail, torture. So this progressive uh, MBS is, is an international criminal. So let me let me ask you something. Um, there were the Saudis had their own trials for this. Yes. Could you could you talk about that? What happened? And there is a particularly. Um, I I don't know. I when I read it, I just thought, God, this is Not, horrific about the family the Khashoggi's family having oh, yeah, to forgive yeah. some of these, I, yeah, I don't know. Just talk about that trial and or the trials for that. I, I, I wouldn't call that a trial. That was a masquerade of justice. That was, uh, uh, so yeah, they, they had a trial because they were forced to by the international community. So they had to put up a show and uh, sue the, the, the agents. They, had, they they order some people to do something and then and then they sue those people for doing it. 
so yes, yeah, some people were trial were tried. Um, many of them were later pardoned. Uh, but still, MBS has never been sued, and his closest advisor, uh, Saud Al Kartani, who we identify in our complaint, has never been uh, trialed or prosecuted or um, officially identified as a suspect. And yes, uh, Jamal Khashoggi's son, who is uh, in Saudi Arabia, was forced to openly pardon MBS. And there is a picture on the on internet where you can see him shaking an MBS hand with MBS with a big smile and Jamal Khashoggi's son with no smile. And you can only imagine what he has in his mind. But I do not believe for one second he, he did that freely. Is he still there? He's still there. He's still there. It's like he can't leave because if I, he leaves, I, it's a signal that uh, he really didn't mean what he said. Right? Oh, no, I, I don't think it's that. It's If he leaves, he's in trouble and the rest of his family is in trouble. Right, right. That's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so, oh, that's so Kafkaesque. It's horrible. And, and you know, that's really what our complaint tries to show. That that's because there is a trial in, in Turkey. Uh, there is a Khashoggi case in Turkey, but it's only a case about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. There's been this fake trial in Saudi Arabia. Again, it's a masquerade of justice. There is a trial in the US, but it's, it's a civil case by the fiancé of Jamal Khashoggi. Our complaint, it's the first time that crimes committed against journalists in Saudi Arabia are not analyzed uh, one by one, but globally to show the system of persecution of journalists that is in place. And this system constitutes the crime against humanity. Are you worried about the U.S. stepping in, the U.S. government stepping in to protect uh, bin Salman at all? I mean, I know the CIA has come out and said, yes, he's uh, complicit. Uh, you know, the Office of uh, National Intelligence, but, uh, you know. Well, I, I don't know how to answer your question. Uh, first, the, the CIA report was very welcome. Uh, it confirmed uh, previous uh, inculpatory elements that were identified by the Turkish services, that by the U.S. services, by the U.N. Uh, it confirms our analysis of the situation. But it leaves us very frustrated because there is no accountability, no justice, no sanction. So maybe that's a first way for the US to protect MBS. But in our view, it, it, is, it, it is a very good thing that this report comes out because officially the US have their report made public saying we believe that MBS is responsible for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Well, the government but, also, they went after not Ben Salman, but they went after everybody else with the Magnik, Magnin, Magnitsky Act. Magnitsky, is, yeah. Yeah, you know, freezing their assets and so on. But they yes. didn't do that to Ben Salman. So to nope. me, that was quite telling. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so 
the, the sanction system, you know, it's uh, it's good. It's it's a way of uh, of sanctioning people, but it's also a way to escape justice because if you freeze people's visa, you make sure they never come before your court of court of law. So there, there is a kind of strategic strategic choice to make between sanctioning people, um, uh, imposing visa bans, or trying to look after justice, which is completely different. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. So yeah. they're getting a, so no, they're I, I, I like they're doing something. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that because uh, maybe their analysis is that our court of law. Would not be uh, would not would not have jurisdiction, or it is very unlikely that uh, MBS. I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk for the U.S. government, you know. But I'm saying that in the search for justice, sanctions such as the Manitsky sanctions, which are you know, it's it's government sanctions. It, it, sanctions. It's not a, a judicial process. It is a political decision to identify such individual such individual and say. This one is responsible for uh, uh, corruption because it, Manitsky system in the US or in Europe, it's often for cases of corruption or uh, international crimes. So we as a government, we take the, the political, we have the political decision to take a, a sanction, uh, visa bans or uh, asset freezing. But in a country such, because France and Germany took the same kind of sanctions and the UK as well, you know. Uh, but first, indeed, MBS is not listed in these people. But if these people cannot get a visa to come to our countries, then they will never be, be sued before our court of laws. And so as an NGO, we at RSF, we we don't see these these uh, sanction mechanisms as well, what about uh, extradition they can be extradited you don't need a visa to extradite somebody do no you? but to, uh, you need a uh, by uh, you know you need you need an agreement need with a, the government you know? we don't have an extradition agreement with uh i actually don't know if you have an extradition agreement. do you does france with, with saudi arabia i actually don't know but again you know it's uh, uh to have an extradition agreement, you know, you need the, the you need the two crimes to be prosecuted the same way in the two countries. You know, there needs to be some reciprocity in the in the definition of the crimes. Uh, one country extradite his own citizen because the crime he committed in that other country is also a crime in my country. You know, so given the the nature of the Saudi regime, given the the arbitrary nature of the Saudi regime, the, the the complete arbitrariness of the judicial process and the, the complete lack of judicial process. That I, I, I really don't think we have uh, extradition agreements. And yeah, um, and again, you know, we're targeting the crown prince and five of his closest could aides. You, could advisors. you talk about? each one of them and what crime they're being charged with or you think they should be charged with? Sure. So there is Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, uh, who we believe is responsible for defining this policy of persecution against 
journalists and any independent voice. There is uh, Saoud Al-Kartani. Also, he ordered the murder of Khashoggi, right? Oh, yeah. Yo, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he ordered the murder of Khashoggi. <laughs> yeah. Important point. Uh, Saud Al-Kartani, who is his closest advisor, who is the responsible for the, 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 his uh, internet strategy and uh, he's, uh, he's, he's very, really one of his closest advisors, responsible for many things and uh, in particular the online repression and intimidation of journalists. Uh, he took a direct part in the planning and in the execution of the, the, the plan to kill Khashoggi. He didn't go to, to uh, Istanbul, this uh, Saud al-Kartani, but he organized it all. Did he, was, was he involved in, um, apparently the way they, they got Khashoggi too was because he was working yeah. with this other guy and an Israeli firm uh, oh, gave, yeah. could you talk about that, gave access to the, his smartphone? Um, it is this uh, Israeli firm called NSO, who has, uh, how do you call that in, sorry, the, the sp uh, spying uh, uh, softwares. Spyware. That, mm -hmm. Spyware, sorry, that, uh, that infect uh, your telephone. And actually many uh, authoritarian regimes in the world use that NSO spyware uh, called, uh, I can't remember the, the sorry, the, the, the exact name of the spyware. But... Um, Yes, indeed, he, but he was not trapped uh, through this NSO system. Uh, he was spied on through this NSO. Right, that's, but that's when they said, we really have to get this guy because, you know, they were hearing him speak his real mind as opposed to what yeah, he was saying publicly. It is not because of what he said on, on his phone with his contacts that uh, got him killed. It's for what he said on American TV, on the Washington Post, about MBS and the Saudi regime that got him killed. But wasn't the final thing his discussion of, of setting up this group called the Bees or something? They were setting up a, yeah. which was pushing for reform in Saudi Arabia. And well, he, uh, his first, it was after his first Twitter about him saying, I support the Bees. You know, he was gathered, they were gathering, it was a gathering, you know, it was like a social media platform for people who wanted to, uh, wanted reform in Saudi Arabia. And it was, it was shortly after he had tweeted about that, that. Maybe because, you know, I, I'm not in the MBS head and uh, I have, I don't know when he decided. Well, I'm Shushi. just talking about the timeline of it, you know. You know. But one thing is, because Jamal Khashoggi, uh, for a while, was a supporter of the, the yes. Crown Prince. Oh, he was close to the family, yeah, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. He was, he was. And uh, he realized that that was not going anywhere. And he became critical. And I believe that's because uh, he was forbidden to talk in U.S. media by the regime. So he, for a while, he, he had been identified. And, uh, but indeed, Saud al-Kartani was one of the person around the crown prince that, again, Saud al-Kartani is responsible for the, the, the online image strategy of MBS, of the online uh, strategy of harassment of any independent voice. So... 
he's the one that identified the fact that uh, Jamal Khashoggi was going against the regime publicly, was talking against the regime on the internet. So he turned him into a target. Yeah. And and also, um, one of the female journalists that are, that are listed in our complaint says she's been raped by Saud al-Khartani in jail. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yes. Um, the third suspect is uh, Deputy Head of Intelligence uh, Ahmad Mohamed Asiri, who supervised the murder directly. The operation of going to Istanbul with a team of, of uh, 15 agents with two planes and uh, killing the journalist, dismembering him, having his body disappear. Jamal Khashoggi's body is still disappeared to, to date, you know. And so the crime of enforced disappearance, according to international law, is still ongoing. It is an ongoing crime. Jamal Khashoggi is still forcibly disappeared. The fourth suspect is Mohammed Al Otaibi, the consul general in Istanbul, who welcomed the team, set up the crime scene, uh, and disposed of the body. Or we don't know what happened with the body. So gave a car to have the body. Uh, I don't. We don't know. But he was the head of the crime scene. You know. The consul general. This crime happened in a consulate. That that is completely unprecedented. In a foreign country, that never happened. And actually, when it happened, I don't know if you remember. At first, people didn't believe in it. What a journalist hey, no. in a consulate? Come on, that's too big. That is too big. But and the Saudis had at the end to acknowledge they did it. MBS himself said. Yes, we did it, but I'm not responsible. It's a rogue operation. That's the way he called it. So it's 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 being done. It it, it was done. Sorry, in in my consulate, by my agents, with two planes belonging to a company that my family, uh, the, the two planes belonging to a company that that belong to my family, or that are official Saudi planes, and I'm not aware of that as the crown prince of a country and who controls everything in that country, that does not make sense. The, five sus the fifth suspect is um, uh, Maher Abdulaziz Mutreb, an intelligence officer who led the team, who trapped, tortured, killed, and dismembered Jamal Khashoggi. So that, that, that is, those are the five suspects we have identified. Wait a second. But, wasn't the guy, oh, the guy who actually, the doctor, what was his name? Dr. Tagrib or Tagrib or whatever. I mean, he's, he's on that audio tape to the CIA saying, uh, they're saying, well, how are you going to do this? Because the guy is so, you know, he's big, he's heavy. He goes, well, we start on the floor and we, you know, we cut by the joints and, and, uh, and then he goes, you you don't you wrap him in leather or something and i just thought to myself this you know is he is he in this complaint he's not in our complaint but uh, again our complaint is against any unidentified oh. person that the complaint could identify so the prosecutor the german prosecutor is is uh, completely able to identify him uh, he has Mr. many Mr. hacksaw he had a, he had like a yes. saw yeah yeah 
and uh, it's just know, the, uh, oh sorry the, the, there was a joke going about MBS uh, oh I can't remember it but it was a, a very well-founded joke about MBS and uh, uh, with the, the S being the soul and the Oh, forget it. Oh, God. Well, um, I mean, that guy, that guy, his his face is etched in my mind after the research I've done for this show, because I was just thinking to myself, you are a physician, you are a doctor, you know, somewhere along the line, you must have taken a Hippocratic oath not to do any harm. And there you are with your hacksaw talking about going after the joints and, and then taking and wrapping the body, each body part in leather, I guess, so that it wouldn't bleed or what I, I don't know. It, it was just, it was so horrific. And, and I just, I, I was wondering, was he, prosecuted in Saudi Arabia? No, I don't think it was um, one of the ones that were prosecuted in Saudi Arabia. And uh, again, all of most of those who were prosecuted in Saudi Arabia were pardoned or had then, uh, their sentence reduced. Yeah, seven uh, to ten years they got, right? Yeah. and Ten uh, years max. Did anybody get a death sentence? Yes, yeah, some of them got a five of them got a death sent sentence, but they were their sentence was reduced to a prison term. Uh, and and can you imagine that that is one of the things I find one of the things I find the most horrific in this whole story. You know, uh, beyond the, the the murder itself and the way it was committed, it's the fact that this regime, this system, sends its own agent to perform a, a horrible crime and then does not assume the crime, assume responsibility for the crime and say, they did it and we're going to sue them. I mean, I, I'm not uh, feeling sorry for well, those guys who, Paul, but the CIA does that too. You know, they send out people to do dirty stuff and then when they come back, they have to get rid of them. You know, I mean, this is a typical intelligence op, type thing on super sensitive operations it it happens <laughs> yeah but if, 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 if you accept a task like that no, but, you better accept the possibility that you might not live to you know see a few more years yeah but first i'm not aware of any public process uh, the, 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 the trial was not public in saudi arabia but is there any trial in the u.s about about uh, is there any guy in the U.S. who is being sued for what he did in the name of the U.S. government? And he. Uh, oh well, no. I mean, my my point to you is. I understand. But... They don't live to. <laughs> they don't live to go get that far, but in in this case, what was so bizarre was that this thing, not only did it become public but there was actually I, I think there's also videotape of it but the Turks at least put out the audio tape and when you listen to the audio tape you know you hear them say you know they, they inject him first with with the but, sedative and then they suffocate him and the, 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 I don't think there is a videotape I've never heard of a videotape well but, I, but there is an, an definitely an audio tape that the Turkish services yes I know there were some some law enforcement people who were talking about a videotape, but I don't know. I mean, I know that the uh, the the Turks 
Yeah. Only gave and, U.S. audio tape. And actually, no one in the, the NGO community heard the video, the, the audio. There is the the UN special rapporteur on yes. the, uh, extradition, extrajudicial and summary execution, uh, Anies Calamar. Yeah. Who went to who did a, a very uh, exhaustive and uh, complete report about the Hashaji murder. Yeah. And uh, it, it is public. It is online. I invite all of the people that are listening to us to go and read that report. I will and post it with your... Uh... And there is a transcript of that audio tape. And it is, you know, in my position uh, as the head of legal at RSF, I hear and read about a lot of horrible stuff. But that transcript of the murder was really, really frightening and chilling and uh, made my, I mean, I was not far from crying because you really have the transcript of someone who is being killed and who has his murderers not to kill him. And please don't do that. You know, it, it's very, very, it is a horrible crime. And again, that crime cannot remain unpunished. And the international community, democratic countries, independent judicial systems who have the, that have the means to prosecute such crimes, the legal means to prosecute such crimes, cannot let this crime unpunished. And to come, to come back to our complaint, that is really what we are seeking with that complaint. Is, your tra is that transcript part of your complaint? The UN uh, transcript? It, it is referenced in the complaint, you know. Yeah, but that we, should be exhibit number one. Jesus, yeah, but, unbelievable. But we, we don't reprodu rep reproduce it in the complaint, but it is definitely, ref uh, it's one of the, the, the annexes and the reference of the complaint. Now, has the International Criminal Court tried to do anything with this? Uh, no, but because the, um, uh, no, because uh, uh, a complaint needs to be filed and we didn't go to the International Criminal Court. And because the International Criminal Court cannot decide in itself to go after a crime, a complaint needs to be filed. Uh, and, you know, the International Criminal Court is, is very complicated to, 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 to move. It's a very complicated system and very political. You know, you can see what happened with the, the crimes committed in, in Palestine or in Afghanistan. You know, if, if a lot of political considerations get into into that it becomes very difficult to have any investigation any anything happen uh, at rsf we filed a complaint against uh, crimes committed against journalists by the israeli army in palestine a long time ago uh, the prosecutor the, of the icc was just recently authorized to open an investigation it's a very long time NGOs are trying to have her uh, investigate. She, she's just been author authorized by the judges to open that investigation. So it's very, very long and complicated process before the, the ICC. So that's why we believe that a national court, an independent national court that is very well equipped is much more suited to receive such crimes. So now, Paul, you don't think it, that uh, you're going to have gray hair before this whole thing is completed and a trial happens and so on? 
well, it, it doesn't matter. First, if 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 one day a, a, a trial happened and I have gray hair, I would be very happy. But again, it, it's not, as I said before, you know, the the mere opening of a credible independent judicial process would be in itself a victory. If you have a prosecutor in a democratic country saying that I'm going to investigate those crimes, what happened? I qualify it legally as a crime. I'm going to investigate it. I identify those suspects. I can issue arrest warrants. And so I may have gray hair before MBS ends up before court of law, but I don't think I will have gray hair until the, the, an investigation is opened by the, the, the prosecutor. And you know, this kind of action, uh, it can have a lot of other consequences before the opening of a trial and a lot of consequences that can be very, very uh, uh, disturbing for the, the per perpetrators of such crimes. Maybe not for that complaint in Saudi Arabia, but you know, from France or in France or in the US, a lot of dictators have their kids in our universities or they come shopping in the winter at Christmas time in the Galerie Lafayette in Paris, or they come to the, the, to the, 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 the coast, the sunny coast in the south of France, they have a villa in the US or in Spain or in... And if there is such a complaint, they might very well get arrested at the airport if they come to our countries. So no more traveling abroad. And since the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, we've seen that Saudi officials and all of our suspects, they do not travel out of the country again uh, anymore. So it means they have identified the judicial risk of traveling abroad. So only that shows that our such an action have an impact and it shows that, oh, I, yeah, I committed a crime. I may be su sued for that. I thought I was completely immune of any responsibility. Actually, I'm not. I can, I, I can no longer go to send my daughter to a university or visit her. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking of a, another complaint we, we had filed uh, a few years back against an Iranian uh, responsible, he was the, one of the heads of um, the prison system. Um, he wanted to have his cancer cured in Germany. Well, there was a complaint against him. So he had to go back to his country because he, so I, I'm not saying that we don't want these people to go to the hospital, but it such an action can have a direct before, bef yeah. even before there is a judicial process. The mere fact that there is a complaint can have direct impact on their life. Yeah, yeah. And is there a deadline? Is there a deadline for the court to come back to you and say, yes, we accept your complaint? No, there is no deadline. Uh, oh. we, we received, uh, but it's, it's, it's a better thing that there is no deadline because uh, he, he, first we received an official acknowledgement of receipt for this complaint. So the German court officially has it. Uh, and the, 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 you know, the, the judicial process has its own rhythm and its own time and judicial investigation is very thorough and very serious. And we want 
that judicial process to be very credible. Oh, so, so they'd have to actually look into your your claims. The, I course. mean, they, once if if they, you know, our complaint is just we, we signal facts. Our complaint. We, no, we are but not, you don't. You don't. Um, I wait I, because I'm I'm here in the United States. First, you submit it, the petition, you know, complaint, right? And then the court has to tell you, yeah, okay, we think it has merit. We'll look into it. It's not just, and then they'll start looking into it. So in your case, you submit it, they have to look into it. No, it's pretty much the same. Uh, they have to look into it to see if they have jurisdiction, if the, 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 the crimes that we allege have been committed actually indeed seem to have been committed. So they need to see if they, are, if they have jurisdiction. That is a preliminary ex examination. And the first result we, uh, we expect is the official opening of that preliminary ex uh, examination. And then there is an official investigation into the crimes that we signal. You know, the, the, this, our complaint, it's, it's, I, we send something that is very detailed and very argumented about the fact that Germany has jurisdiction, that the fact that that should be qualified as a crime against humanity, about each of the victims, about why we believe those five suspects should be targeted as primary suspects. Uh, but basically, it's just we poke the prosecutor and say, hey, look, a crime has been committed. You should look into it. So it is really up to the prosecutor to, to say, oh, really, uh, a crime has been committed. Let me look into that. And so it's really up to him to investigate. You know, because, you know, the, the, the US and European systems are very different. The, it's yeah. really, f it, it, it is not for the, 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 the party, that for the defendant or for the accuser to, to do the investigation. It is for the prosecutor and for the judge to do the investigation, the investigative judge, and then later you have the the the, 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 the judging judge. So it was, uh, I don't know. You know, I as as I'm talking to you here, all of a sudden I I'm starting I'm thinking about Julian Assange, you know, and what's going on with him. Why couldn't the same thing be done in that court for him by Reporters Without Borders? Uh, because a, a crime against humanity, again, it's a widespread and systematic attack oh, against right. a okay. civilian population. Julian Assange is not a civilian population, he's a civilian. Right. So, it, it, uh, uh, however, how terrible is what happens to Julian Assange? It is not qualifiable, if, if that's an English it, word. It doesn't qualify as a crime yeah. against humanity. Exactly. But we are very active in the in the case of Julian Assange. We are advocating very strong for British courts not to extradite him to the U.S. because we we have very serious reasons to fear that if he is extradited 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 to yeah extradited to the U.S. he may very well end up in jail for a very long time uh, and. Uh, many uh, legal authorities around the world have uh, said that if he ends up in U.S. jails, uh, the, his situation could qualify as torture, psychological yes. torture. And, uh, so we are advocating very strong with the U.S. Uh, with the British courts, and but you know it, it is an independent process or a, a judicial process. We we 
we cannot dictate the judge what his decision is his decision should be but we can try there have to. been so many irregularities during that hearing and i i i just wonder um it's almost like this thing is being dragged out and dragged out as his health slowly declines, you know? Yep. So in the end, I mean, it's almost like a slow goodbye. The, the, the whole Assange case is uh, completely manipulated. If you read uh, the, the report of the... Oh, the Oh, sorry, I can't remember. I believe it's one UN special reporter of uh, yes. a, a European uh, human rights reporter. I can't, I can't remember. But which details every step of the Assange case and show that because he's been uh, accused of uh, sexual assault in Sweden, if you get into the details of that, it is much, much more. Oh, it was a setup. That, it was a setup. Yeah. So his image has been. Uh, has been voluntarily uh, destroyed. Well, because who wants to, who wants to defend a, a sexual? Uh, that that's uh, another that, that's another special ops thing that happens. You know, if you wanna the, if you wanna discredit somebody, yeah. put porn on their uh, put porn on their uh, computer or have somebody accuse them of, sec of sexual assault. And some I, countries are actually became quite expert on that. We, we in, sorry, that's a completely different, different topic, but yes, Morocco yes. Uh, journalists are very often sued for completely set up uh, sexual uh, accusations, sexual harassment, accusation, rape, completely set up. And in, in, a, in a country such as Morocco, who wants to defend Right, exactly. Yeah, a sexual predator or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we've run out of time, Paul. But, um, <laughs> but I, I want to thank you for coming on. And I want to tell you that I would like to have you back on as things continue. Because this is a very, very important case. And I, you know, I worry a little bit about you and your team doing this, you know, because if you're your success, the more successful you are, you could become targets. You know, I'm not going to go in a Saudi consulate anytime soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. definitely not. But thank you very much for having me. Uh, oh, it was uh, a pleasure having any time to, to discuss again. And uh, Perfect. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. And good luck on this case. Thank good you. Luck. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye-bye.